in episode 49 of The Dumbing Lens, I'll discuss supply chain and risk management through the system of profound knowledge. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt, host of the Deming Institute podcast. And in this Deming lens, I was looking for something around current events that are happening uh, around the world. And I did come across John Hunter's uh, article uh, at Deming.org titled How People Are Using Deming's Management Ideas to Respond to COVID-19 Conditions. And obviously, supply chain issues have come to the forefront since this pandemic uh, started with manufacturers having to close and there's a shortage now pretty much everyone's aware in semiconductors and John's article hits upon you know some of the things th- that are happening with these supply chain uh, disruptions and uh, can be looked or uh, targeted back to just-in-time types of manufacturing, which is where materials come into a manufacturer just as they need need it so that they can produce uh, whatever final product. It might be raw uh, materials. It could be some other uh, product from a supplier that's part of some broader thing like a car. Um, and so uh, just-in-time reduced a lot of the uh, waste and in inventory and as uh, John uh, pointed out, that these problems or that just in time uh, basically has uh, components of making problems visible, uh, reducing waste, uh, reducing inventory costs, um, and being able to adjust to market conditions. And especially uh, if there's explosive amounts of change in the supply chain, uh, the adjustments to the market conditions uh, are kind of what's up in the air, at least in my mind. So the market condition, obviously, or the conditions out there is you still have the the demand for these products, uh, yet you don't have all the resources available or suppliers are shut down. And therefore, you have these supply chain disruptions, as I mentioned, with the semiconductors. Uh, So John linked to a Reuters uh, article on Toyota and uh, business continuity and Basically, it points out the article itself, um, the Fukushima disaster kind of got companies thinking a little bit about risk management in their organization and that uh, Toyota in particular saw risk uh, and started to have their suppliers store two to six months worth of semiconductors or the components for it. And... um, There are a few things here that I'm going to make a comment on, which is, to me, uh, John mentions lean quite a bit in in the article. Uh, From my viewpoint, lean is an outcome of the application of of Deming's thinking, and I've posted on this many times in LinkedIn and other articles that I write. And uh, uh, Dr. Deming helped Japan get back on its feet by teaching him statistical uh, quality control and some of the thinking associated with that developed uh, in Japan uh, during the uh, 1950s, 60s, and 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 on. 
And so for me, because lean is more of an outcome, um, it, it misses, I think, some things when you go back to Dr. Deming's original philosophy, and that is that uh, his system of profound knowledge, um, and before that, his 14 points, the system of profound knowledge uh, made up of primarily um, systems thinking, theory of knowledge, knowledge of variation, and psychology is kind of what he left us um, it, prior to his death in uh, 1993. So to me, if you go back to kind of those basics, I do believe organizations would find uh, new solutions other than trying to copy Toyota or uh, do things associated with that. And I know I uh, bump heads every once in a while with people from the lean community over that. Um, so uh, it is what it is. That's just my belief is that if you go back to Dr. Deming's system of profound knowledge is that that's, you could come up with something maybe better. Um, so, you know, John makes a comment in here and I'll just read from the article. Uh, I'll, I'll post uh, a link to it, which is Toyota learns from results and maintains that knowledge for decades Often orgs adapt, organizations adapt in the short term and over time lapse into the same systemic weaknesses that cause them problems. So a few years later, they fail in a way that would have been prevented if they just learned and kept the improvements from that hard learned lesson. Now that's a statement packed with a lot of great information because this is what I see in most organization is there's no learning. There's reaction for the short term. Uh, and maybe adjustments to inventories because, oh, that happened. But as time goes by, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, it's, there's no learning. Therefore, uh, an incident maybe like it, but not exactly the same thing um, creates a situation where organizations are not uh, prepared because they forgot the lesson they learned before. And uh, I it's shocking to me how many organizations are not prepared for uh, some of the, the risks that that uh, it may exist in their environment. And I think some of that needs to come from not lean, but from you know the ability to look at their system, the broader systems that are out there, as Toyota did, and see that there's, you know, some risk associated with what's happening and that just in time may not be uh, the best thing. Now, there's a lot of solutions for that. And we can talk about that in a minute. But uh, before I do that, I do want to point out that uh, point four of Dr. Deming's 14 points talks in terms of a single supplier. And the reason for this, I, I uh, originally out of college, I worked for an industrial distributor and, you know, we had 20 different vendors for, let's say, a drill, uh, a drill bit. And, uh, you know, there's a whole series of things associated that even with um, electronic inventory or things put into a computer system where you can easily uh, have 20 vendors uh, available there. But the problem is, is there were a lot of 
minimums for these companies. So let's say it was a $50 minimum. Well, a lot different than in 1980s than today. It might even be more. Uh, you had a minimum to place and somebody placed a $20 order. Uh, you were unable to order uh, that drill bit or set of drill bits until they met the minimum. And having those on record um, are uh, problematic because it just sits there and the customer never gets their their item. But there's a whole series of things associated with single supplier, but most of it has to do with uh, reduction of variation. And, you know, now I'm seeing from conversations with some executives that, uh, you know, oh, well, we're having these supply chain disruptions. Therefore, the solution should be that I uh, carry multiple uh, suppliers. And I think as we get into some of the solutions associated with this, that we still need to keep in mind that we're trying to uh, re- reduce the amount of variation that we're getting into our our products and that vendors may not necessarily be the answer. I think there may be more things associated with um, solutions around ge- geographic location of where things are. And you know, we saw with um, PPE, um, the difficulties in the United States, at least, uh, getting things you know, from China during that time period because they had a need. And so if you're manufacturing something in China um, and they have a need for the same PPE products that they're going to to, uh, keep them and maybe not honor the requests that are coming from the United States or the increased demand uh, associated with it. So all these things, I think, are going to get uh, looked at. And hopefully not in a, just a knee-jerk reaction type of a thing, because there are a lot of risks out there. Um, you know, I, I wrote a few things down here. You know, we've had geographically, we've had a, a ship uh, block the Suez Canal. Um, we've had, uh, you know, the government imposing um, tariffs on Canadian lumber, therefore, um, increasing, helping to increase the cost of lumber here, here, here at least in the United States, and so all these things have uh, unintended consequences. The political ramifications of doing things are going to affect other things that that people didn't anticipate, and you know, as our government as governments get more centralized in order to control things. The free market goes away, and then the, more of these unintended consequences uh, tend to uh, show themselves up because nothing can be completely planned from that particular standpoint. Um, so, but there are other risks that that are are potential. There are the ones that come very regularly, like hurricanes and tornadoes. Uh, we're, we've seen power grid disruptions. We're starting to see some uh, in the United States and, and as well as other countries where these things are maybe more common, you know, civil unrest. We've had this pandemic. You've got war. You've got civil war. I mean, and it varies by country. And I would say that even the most uh, democratic or uh, the republics that are out there, uh, do face additional types of risks these days. Um, for me, it's associated with uh, what our uh, financial institutions have done um, and w- with regards to inflation. And that's a whole nother conversation I won't get into in this particular podcast. 
Um, but we also have the risk of things that maybe are less likely, but have happened before, uh, like the uh, geomagnetic type of storm, like happened in 1859, uh, that burned out all of the uh, telegraph wires. And today, if we had all of our wires burned out, it would be a whole different type of risk associated with with bringing things to uh, a standstill. So I think it's, um, you know, as I look forward to maybe some of the solutions that are out there, I do hear a lot of the same old solutions that are what I would probably uh, classify as unwise um, because most of the people that are making decisions are very analytical thinkers. They, they think in terms of compartments and are not uh, synthetic thinkers or systems thinkers enough in their environment to look more broadly at the risks associated with their uh, company. Now, one thing that has happened is COVID has exposed us, uh, you know, as humanity. Um, and there will be other uh, challenges in the future. And I think we're going to have to go back to some of Dr. Deming's original thinking that he left us with his system of profound knowledge. Uh, and again, for those that aren't familiar with Dr. Deming's system of profound knowledge, uh, it's systems thinking, it's theory of knowledge, how do we learn? And uh, these are some of the things that, that Dr. Deming implemented in Japan very early and not just a Toyota, you know, almost all the manufacturing uh, that's out there and that we have to have knowledge of variation and knowledge of uh, psychology and some of the things that like neuroscience that have um, uh, gained knowledge about how our psychology works is affected by how our brain works. So as we look forward to the future, I think it'd be better for folks to go back to Dr. Deming's original system profound knowledge to look for what the new solutions are. It's not a roadmap. Uh, John points out uh, Dr. Deming's philosophy is not prescriptive. I have a tendency to believe that lean uh, is more prescriptive in nature um, as because of it being an outcome of some of Dr. Deming's original thinking and that Dr. Deming was wise to leave us a philosophy as opposed to a uh, connect the dots type of environment. Hi, this is Trip Babbitt. One way that you can help the Deming Institute in this podcast is by providing a rating on Apple Podcasts.